As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo on this uh, beautiful Tuesday here in the Twin Cities and uh, very happy to be joined by a player that might be one of the most popular players in Wild history. He's been with the Wild 10 years. He might be the biggest success story in Wild history. He's somebody that the Wild uh, found from from uh, from really his junior career after the Islanders let him go, brought him to development camp, and here we are 10 years later. He debuted on his 21st birthday. He's the most goals by any Wild defenseman in history with 82, the second most assists with 198, the second most points, and he's played the third, third most games overall in Wild history with 600. 153 also the most power play goals jared spurgeon how are you <laughs> i'm good thanks uh the stats make me miss hockey a lot more now that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> it does it doesn't it feel like i've talked to you a lot more than i ever do during the season i feel like i bother you like once every day <laughs> i know it's it's fun uh the more the more we or the less we see each other the more you miss <laughs> talking to the familiar faces so um during the season, we see each other every day, but I guess you're sort of circling the room, and you're at a lot of the answers for myself are the same. So I think that's why you guys get sick of me. I don't. I don't know if uh, anybody in the Twin Cities gets sick sick of you. And uh, that brings me to my first question. Uh, you know, usually I save Twitter questions for the middle of the show, but this is a good one to kick it off. Uh, and it's not even a question. Keith Landgrieb goes, uh, first he joins Instagram, then he rocks the wig in the team video, and now he's joining straight from the source. My favorite player is really putting himself out there these days. Um, it really is funny, Jared. It, it feels like you, you know you have the, the biggest contract in Wild history, and it feels like right now, at age 30, you're really allowing Wild fans to see kind of the true personality that you have. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what boredom can do to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> But at the same time, I think during the year, I just 
try and go about the business of the team and um, not not that it's a distraction but that's what I'm focused on most and um, like I said there's a lot more downtime right now than there is during the year and usually when we are off during the year I'm chasing kids around either to their sports or just trying to get stuff done so um, with their stuff being cancelled and our stuff um, obviously not working out for us right now that there's a lot more time to to be yourself and show people that side of you a lot more that's for sure and your Instagram account, which is Jared Spurgeon forty six, uh, this is—I mean, it really is a must-follow. I mean, we have a, a video of Danny giving you a haircut. Uh, you have your pizza parties on there, your sport court, and then uh, your your two giant giant dogs. One being a new one. Tell us about the dogs. Uh, yeah, they're they're keeping us busy. So they're both rescues from secondhand hounds. So we got one last summer, this past summer, for Danielle's birthday. So. We lost our, our first family dog, um, unfortunately, last year. He, he ended up getting a blood clot and passing away. So uh, we went this summer without one, but we both both love animals. So we found uh, a puppy. Well, not a puppy. He's about <laughs> three to four years old, they think. And uh, we rescued him last summer. And then just this year after Christmas, uh, we got a, an even bigger one because we like big dogs in Newfoundland. So... He's been with us for about two months, so we have Cohen and then Teddy that joined the family, and uh, they're keeping us busy with walks and just lots of fun playing with those two. And are they, I mean, they, first of all, they're they're basically as big as you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, no Teddy for sure. He, what kind of dogs are they? Um, so Cohen, he's the smaller one. He's a bit of a mix. He has Shepherd and Collie in him, and then Teddy's the the big guy who is a Newfoundland mixed with a German Shepherd. So when he's up on the bed laying down, he's, like you said, he's as long as I am. So he's he's fun to be around. He's a big goof. And we play fetch out in the backyard, and he's figured out that if he goes around the trampoline, we can't catch him. So it's a pretty fun game to play with him, and the kids love it. That's awesome. Uh, and I remember your first dog I wrote about, Noah. It was a Bernese mountain dog, right? Yeah, so that was my favorite dog growing up and I always wanted one. And I think we were in Phoenix for a road trip and uh, Danielle tried to surprise me, but her sister actually ruined it. And I, we were in a family chat and um, I noticed she changed like her little picture on there and I clicked on it and it was our son Zach with a Bernice Mountain Dog puppy in the back of my car. So... I immediately immediately texted Danielle and phoned her, and she tried to play it off, and then I heard a bark in the background, so uh, coming home that night, it was pretty exciting to get into the, the house, and that was the first time I've ever got a, a puppy, a surprise puppy, so that was awesome, and then he was a great dog, and just unfortunately had a, a little health issue, and he, he passed a lot sooner than we thought. Yeah, very sorry to hear that. Very tough um, as well. I remember uh, the story that I wrote on you and, and Tyler Ennis. Uh, uh, I know that, that Tyler was allergic to Noah and used to have to come over and, and fend, fend Noah off because fend, because Noah was a big cuddler, right? Oh, yeah. he they well, It seems like the bigger the dog, the more of a lap dog they think they are. So um, Teddy's the same way. He, he jumps up on you and he wants to lay on you all the time. So um, whenever Tyler comes over, we feed him with some Benadryl and then hopefully, hopefully he can survive a night or two. So, um, 
But I think in times past he said that if if there's one way he wants to go, it's going to be being smothered by about 100 puppies. So he likes dogs, but he just can't handle the, the allergies sometimes. We're talking with Jared Spurgeon on Straight From The Source. Again, subscribe to uh, The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for 40% off. Um, Jared, let's talk about, uh, you know, I want to jump around a little bit, but the one thing that I wanted to talk about to kind of bring you back to the start of your career is the new contract that you signed on the day of uh, the training camp began last year, a new seven-year deal. As I mentioned, the highest uh, annual average, average annual value in uh, wild history. Um, And the one thing just reading that story over again today is that, you know, that touching quote that you said that after you signed the deal, when you turned to Danny and said, could you imagine that we'd be in this spot 10 years earlier? It really is quite amazing, your journey here. Um, how much have you reflected on that this past year that you're going to be starting this new year, this new deal, quote, whenever next season starts? And uh, and it really is just came out of nowhere from where you began your career. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to think about it every day and it's still what pushes me. Um, they showed a lot of faith in me by uh, handing that contract to me, so um, you don't want to let them down. And I think uh, from an early age, there was always just doubters that told me no or that I wasn't good enough or wasn't tall enough, and you get cut from teams. And I think that may have been one of the biggest blessings for myself is that um, I always have that and that fire, and I never want to hear that again. So. Um, whether it's a workout or a skate in the summer or just any practice, it, it always drives me. And um, you don't want to take a day off and let someone else come up and bypass you or, like I said, start thinking that you're not worth what what you think you're worth. So um, for myself and our family, um, I think, well, for myself and Dan- Danielle, we talk about it a lot and just how we, we can't take anything for granted, that's for sure, and how lucky we are to to be in this position. And is it really special to be with her during this whole thing? I mean, she, she has been there every step of your, pretty much your entire adult life, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if, if she wasn't there, I don't know if, if I would be here. She definitely pushed me to be the best I could. And, um, especially having a family as well at a young age, we, she let us do my workouts and not made me feel guilty about that stuff. And, um, she's been the rock that has held us together from, like you said, very early in our in our my life and then the, our family's life. And I get a glimpse of it now being home these last two months of how much she goes through <laughs> and how, how she must be going bonkers when, when we're on the road for a long amount of time. So I definitely understand why as soon as we get home from those long road trips, there's a date night planned and we're not going home before the babysitter has to go home. That's for sure. I remember there was a practice years and years ago that a lot of the players' kids were at, and I, I remember your kids, I think, were running around with Pominville's kids, if I remember, and I remember asking somebody, like, whose kids are those? And they're like, <laughs> they told me you, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, how many kids does he have? I mean, and I know that, that Mike Yo used to say that, Bruce Brudger used to say that as well. How often have you gotten that, that, you know, that you've had this big family uh, yet at a very young age? Yeah, uh, get it a lot. Um, people come over to work on the house, and there's times when they're wondering where the when the dad's gonna come down, and I have to explain that it's my house. So um, <laughs> it's it's good though right now to have the energy to run around with them, and we enjoy it a lot, and being able to play with them and play the sports that they want to play, and 
um, having them all be such great kids, it makes it a lot easier on us as well. So um, they get along fine other than the standard fight every once in a while, but uh, we're pretty, pretty blessed to have some pretty easy children, that's for sure. And one of your kids is actually uh, Ryan Suter's son, Brooks's age, right? Yeah, so I think he's maybe a, a couple months older. So they they were supposed to play spring league together this year. So unfortunately, that's not happening right now. But maybe they'll get some games in later in, in the summer or whenever rinks start opening up. So uh, I think all the team, well, at least all the kids on the wild, you see them down by the locker room and they're all good friends and um, that's a testament to all the parents. They're all good people. So um, no matter who's in the locker room or what kid's in the locker room, they all seem to be getting uh, – they have fun together. We're talking with Jared Spurgeon. This is Michael Russo on Straight from the Source. And, uh, yeah, one of the cool things I remember seeing at one of the outdoor practices was was uh, your son and, and, and Suter's son out there together. And it just – I mean, you know, both one wearing a Spurgeon jersey, the other wearing a Suter jersey. It just kind of – made you think about the future here are two defense partners with their kids out there playing together it's it is kind of neat yeah no they're they're good friends and um i think it's like you said they're close in age so that makes it a lot easier and we we had lived close by in the past and once they got to that age where they could just bike down and back to each other's house that made it a lot easier as well so um they love coming to the rink that's for sure and zach's still mad right now he always asks if we can go and skate at Tria or if one of the rinks is open and uh he's come around to it now to stop asking <laughs> um Jared uh, the, uh one story that I'm still working on that actually might come out this week is uh I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about essentially homeschooling your kids and there was a funny anecdote that you told about how Danielle kind of put you in detention because you missed <laughs> like three days worth of assignments for yeah. your daughter well I've just figured out that I didn't miss the assignments they I, we're, we're getting all the assignments done, but there's another page where there's other classmates who would do sharing or something like that each day, and they're supposed to comment on it and uh, say what they, something they liked about it. So that was my downfall. So I was actually getting the, the assignments done, just not the, the sharing done. So um, I think that's, that's an okay one to miss for a week or two, but... I'm back on kindergarten duty, and she's back on the fourth grade. That's funny. Um, we're t- again, we're talking with Jared Spurgeon. So I've told this story many times. I don't even know if I've ever told you, but I remember when you debuted on your 21st birthday in Calgary the night before um, a source with the Wild. I, I've been texting because we were in Vancouver the day before, and the Wild lost a couple defensemen. I kept on texting him, like, tell me who's coming up, tell me who's coming up. And at, like, 10-something at night, calorie time he tells me Spurgeon's coming up and I just kind of like I honestly no offense I sent him like an lol and didn't write it and next thing I wake up the next morning in the wild put out a press release that Jared Spurgeon's called up from the for his NHL debut like I like if you remember like we really nobody really knew you in training camp all of a sudden you sign and and next thing you know you're making your NHL debut on your 21st birthday uh, a couple hours south of your hometown yeah, oh, it was pretty crazy, that's for sure. Um, I remember waking up to a call. I think we had played a game the night before in Houston, and um, I think we actually won in a shootout. And um, I remember we had the day off, so I was sleeping in and got a call from Mike Yo, and uh, he told me that I was going up, and I 
asked him if he was actually serious. <laughs> and he sort of chuckled and told me like he was. So um, I immediately phoned, well, texted my mom and my brother and dad. And they were in Austria visiting my brother, so they were all together. So um, that was a phone uh, at that time, Skype call. And then I was flying up later that night, but it was pretty surreal for myself and, um, and my family. It was nice to be close to home. Danielle and her family came up and uh, my sister and auntie, they were there and it was just pretty cool to be that close to home to play in a, a game that um, you've dreamed about your entire life and never knew if it was going to come. And even the night before um, when we were playing and we, I'm pretty sure, uh, like I said, we won in a shootout and you don't really think about that for myself. I was just trying to prove myself and stay in the lineup down there and um, play my best game and get used to the pro hockey lifestyle. And um, it was, like I said, pretty special. And I can't be more thankful for uh, Yozy for bringing my name up there and sticking his neck out for me to be the guy to call up and for Chuck for trusting him to bring me up. And then after that, I had Rick Wilson up here that would always take me aside after practices and work on little things, and whether it was shooting or just little tips that he could teach me. And when I was in Houston, I had Daryl Sador, who was a great defenseman in his, in his playing days as well. So I had a lot of great teachers that were helping me along the way. And that year, you guys wound up going to the Calder Cup Finals as well, right? Yeah, so we were went to Binghamton, and unfortunately we lost in Game 6. And um, I think at that time, you're obviously really sad, and um, you're thinking about what went wrong, how you could have gone about it different to win a championship. And um, at that time, I you still don't know if you're going to be in Minnesota or back in Houston the next year. So um, after that, I remember talking to Jim Mill and, just saying that we will get it next year and then you realize that your goal is to stay up in the NHL for the next year and um, I wasn't back there and um, but at that time that was such a fun season and to go on a run like that and play in the playoffs and have such a great team with some older guys and young guys as well with um, that I played with for a long time after that I, there's a lot of great memories and there's some regret, obviously, that we didn't win, but at the same time, you wouldn't change it. Yeah, no doubt. And I think your defense partner was Marco Scandella on that team. Um, going back to your NHL debut, the irony of your uh, your parents being in Austria visiting Tyler, who, by the way, is the longtime captain of the Innsbruck uh, team in the Austrian League, is that if you didn't sign with the Wild, didn't you basically have a deal done to go play for Pierre Paget in Austria? Yeah, so we had a deal with Salzburg in Austria, so that was... Um, he was in Traverse City and they told me that they were interested in signing me beforehand, but we said that I had an invite to Traverse, so, um, we're going to see that through first. And, um, during the tournament, we sort of had a contract in place just in case something didn't work out. So, um, if I didn't get a contract, I was immediately heading over there and I would have been playing against Tyler. <laughs> It's amazing. And I, I pay attention, you know, ever since uh, last summer I went to Austria and Tyler was uh, really nice enough to send me a bunch of tips. I, I paid attention to him this year and he was having a monster year when they paused. I, I think he was like a half a goal a game, right? 
Yeah, yeah, he had a great year, and um, like you, I think they canceled after two games of the first round of playoffs. So um, they had just gone two games in, and then their season had ended. But he's over there still right now, and um, he's loving life over there. It's such a beautiful country, and envious of all that he gets to see. He sends me pictures every day of either hiking through the mountains, different lakes, uh, ski resorts, and. Uh, he sent you on some some good spots, I heard. Yes. So um, he definitely makes me jealous, and I, I want to <laughs> go over there at one, one point to see all the stuff that that he's enjoyed. And um, maybe when the kids are a bit older, we can we can all go over there and visit him. Yeah, I think I sent you a picture. He sent me in Innsbruck to this rooftop uh, at a, it's like a rooftop of a hotel overlooking the city. It was absolutely gorgeous. And same thing going up to the top of the mountain. And he also gave me a bunch of Switzerland uh, tips as well. Um, we're talking with Jared Spurgeon. Again, this is uh, straight from the source to subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for 40% off. Not only do we have articles, I'm just amazed at the content that we have our, on our site when there's no sports going on, but we have podcasts everywhere. Um, and this week, Steve Mayer, who happens to be my cousin, he's the uh, one of the top NHL executives. He's the chief content officer of the NHL. He's on with Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside on Two Man Advantage. Hall of Famer Ray Bork is on the Perfection Pod with Joey McDonald and Fluto Shinzawa. And uh, Doc Emmerich's on Penultimate with Sean Gentile. Rob Rossi and Josh Yo. Um, let me ask you about uh, when you first got to the Wild. Uh, just a couple more questions on that. Um, the, the one thing story I've written about a lot that I don't really know if I've ever kind of gotten your perspective on is when you got to development camp with the Wild. The Wild also brought in Tyler Johnson, who was your junior teammate. And the, the Wild isn't it true that they planned on signing both of you, but then Johnson hurt his shoulder in Traverse City, and they basically sent him back to junior and said, have a good year and we'll come and re-sign you. But he had a real monster year and wound up signing with Tampa. Yeah, uh, I'm not exactly sure about the the contacts before the season at Traverse City, but he, I know he, I think he, like you said, he got injured one of the first couple games. And I do remember him telling me that they said that, go back, have a good year, and then we'll, we'll revisit it after. And like you said, um, I think he had 50, goals or something like that in a, a really good year and um, he went from maybe having two or three options to a lot more and um, I tried tried to tell him to come with us but he just felt that um, the fit there for centerman was better for him and um, he ended up going to Tampa and um, he's had a great career there and obviously would have liked to have him with us as well. And I believe he's a free agent uh, whenever the offseason starts. So, hey, maybe maybe you'll be reunited <laughs> like you were with Tyler Ennis one day. Yeah, well, I'll work my best to try and get him here, that's for sure. Um, Chad Pollock asks, um, on your previous podcast with Bruce Boudreaux, he said that Spurgeon was his favorite wild player he ever coached. Uh, what what does Spurgeon do to make himself so likable to the coach, and how does it make him feel to, to know that Bruce said that? And, and frankly, it's not just Boudreaux that said that you're the favorite player that he's ever coached, but, I mean, you always said that in the past. John Torchetti called me this morning, and I happened to mention that uh, that um, that that I was having you on my podcast, and he he went on and on and on about what an incredible player you are to coach. Why do you think coaches just love you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um I don't want to say anything because I'll get ribbed on. But I know um, you'll, you'll next thing you'll be on the subject of a, instead of like Yol Erickson Eck on a bike, it'll be you. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just try and mind my own business and um, not mind my own business, but um, when the coach is talking or I try and listen and try and just 
do what they're teaching him. Um, I've been taught from my, my dad to always look a, a man in his eyes when they're talking to you and um, to give them that respect. And um, I think I try to do that with, with everyone. So um, I'm not exactly sure why, but um, it's definitely a good thing to have in your corner. That's for sure. Torchetti said that he used to joke with you. He'd turn to you and he'd say you and yell at you that you're too high maintenance. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I I don't like to think I'm high maintenance at all. I try, like I said, <laughs> stay in my own lane. And um, when I feel like uh, when things need to be said, that I'll say them and I'll talk in the dressing room and on the ice. But um, I like to think that if if I am going to lead, it'll be by example. And I also don't like to. To be the guy that's talking all the time because then I, I feel like it falls deaf on people's ears if they feel like you're just talking to talk. So um, I think from the outside, I might seem like a quieter guy, but um, when when I feel there's something that needs to be said, I'll definitely chime in. That's pretty interesting. You know, a lot of people have, have wondered, you know, if this is it for Miko, who who would be uh, the next captain of the Minnesota Wild? Obviously, you uh, you have the pedigree. You've been here uh, third most games in Wild history. You have a, a contract that goes seven years now. Is that something that you would be interested in being? Uh, well, I think anyone in their in their life would be very honored to be a captain of a, a team, let alone an NHL team or a club like Minnesota Wild. So um, if that was to be their next choice, I'd be greatly honored and um, like I said, I, as a leader, I don't try and uh, not be myself. I try and be who I am, and um, when I talk, it's something that I believe in and mean, and I'm not going to spew stuff that I'm just spewing. And at the same time, if I got to be one of those guys that leads the way, I have to be doing what I'm preaching. So, um, like I said, leading by example and just the way that I, I like to play and the team should be playing is the the way that I I've always been taught to do and um I think if like I said if you talk too much then people stop listening that's awesome uh we're talking with Jared Spurgeon um you mentioned your dad Barry and uh I've gotten to meet both your parents and got to do a father-son sit down with uh excuse me a, a father uh round table with uh Barry down in Florida once uh, and, a, and a bunch of the other dads Eric Stahl's dad um, uh, just a ton of, uh, like four or five of the fathers. Um, Barry, first of all, is one of my favorite people because he, uh, wit- you and him witnessed me hitting Nick Schultz's, uh, Porsche once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we kept it under wraps pretty good. We didn't want to be involved with the hit and run. So you did, you did the honest thing and owned up to it. So I didn't have to throw you under the bus. Yeah, I still remember you. Uh, it was Matt Cullen's thousandth game party at the downtowner, and I was across the street at Tom Reed's, and I back into a Porsche, and I'm like, oh my god! And then I look up and I see you and your dad, and I ask you like sheepishly, whose car is this? And you're like, uh, I think it's Schultz's. And then you ran across the street to get him, and I remember yelling at you as you're like halfway on seventh. I remember yelling like, Jared, and you turn around like, don't make a scene, because I didn't want the entire team to come out and look at this. Oh, you're lucky it was Schultz, one of the nicest human beings ever. So um, it would have been a bit different if it was maybe Zanin or even Miko's (laughs) car. It might have been a bit different. But uh, I felt like the guy in Happy Gilmore that whenever something went wrong was just shaking my head. 
<laughs> that's exactly it. And the funniest thing is, so I was left alone for a couple of minutes with your dad in like the most uncomfortable moment. It's like middle, middle of winter in January. And uh, here I like hit a player's Porsche and I'm just sitting there with Barry Spurgeon. Like, so uh, how are you? <laughs> it's just brutal. Uh, it was funny. Um, so tell me about your, your childhood growing up, uh, you know, in that Tyler Ennis, um, Jared Spurgeon feature that I wrote. It was one of my first articles I wrote when I first got to The Athletic. It was just such a fun sit down. I think we sat down at a place at the Galleria and uh, you, me, uh, Tyler and your and your wife showed up as well. Yeah. So Bruce and my dad were co-head coaches and Bruce was more Tyler. Well, he's Tyler's dad and he was the head coach and um He'd be more forwards, and my dad would be more defense. And um, from I think it was back then, it was called Nas. So uh, right out of Mites, we were on each other's team until our last year of Bantam. So um, we played a lot of hockey together, and uh, a lot of basement hockey since we lived down the street <laughs> from each other. So um, it was a lot of fun growing up with someone that you could always count on being on the same team, and um, whether it was summer hockey or our winter league, we were always either on the same team or ball hockey. We were playing in the summer too with just our school friends. We were on the same team. So uh, we saw a lot of each other growing up and then um, got split apart during junior. And then I was pretty proud to see him get drafted first round and then make a great debut the next year in Buffalo in the playoffs. So um, that definitely fueled myself as well, seeing him achieve his goal and uh, do it with a great, great first start. So um, that summer working out with him, just hearing the stories he would tell me and definitely drove me to, to work even harder that summer. The um, Bruce Ennis is the person that actually moved you to defense, right? Yeah. So we were, I think 13 and we always played every position growing up, whether it was tournaments or, just a certain game if we were we were up by a couple goals or playing a team that uh, my dad and Bruce thought that we were doing well against he would rotate the the lines and you'd play a period back on defense or a game or um, maybe you'd play a week so um, we were make, making a team and you're sort of at the age where you stop switching positions and uh, we had a, a great group of forwards and um, I played the first I think couple games as a forward and then um, played defense and after that they asked if I would like to stay back there and um, I had no problem with that and started falling in love with the position and um, I think as a having played forward I could sort of think of what the the forwards were doing and read what they're doing for whether breakout passes and all that but um, yeah he, he was the one that switched me back. That's pretty amazing, yeah. Man, uh, you've got to be thankful for that every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, he lets me know a lot that he was the one, so <laughs> he, he always reminds me. Yeah. Somebody told me that, that uh, Tyler Ennis might be the funniest player in the NHL. Is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, he has a great sense of humor, that's for sure. And um, I think he, he likes to play it off that he sort of, <laughs> He's not the smartest of humans, and he has that going for him, but he he's a smart guy, and he, he knows how to turn some jokes around pretty quick, and he's pretty witty, that's for sure. 
That's awesome. Um, Evolving Wild uh, asks, um, Evolving Wild, which is one of the analytics uh, sites in in town and on Twitter, asks, um, Jared, among defensemen, you have taken the, some of the fewest penalties in the league relative to your ice time. Is that an area of your game you actively work on, or does your play style lead to taking fewer penalties, or is it something else? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the style of play and just how I've learned to position myself. Um, I think, like you've said and had some stories about being a smaller guy from an early age that you learn different ways to get the puck away from the big bigger guys and um, whether it's a stick on puck or just skating and being in the right position um, that definitely helps and if I get on the wrong side that's when I get in trouble so I have to focus on um, being in the right spot and uh, so I think that definitely helps but I think you have some little tricks that you learn as well that um, hopefully the refs don't catch on to that can work to your advantage. But um, definitely uh, positioning is is a big thing for myself. Do you, by the way, pay attention to analytics? I don't, you know, I don't know if you if you uh, if you know, but I mean, you know, advanced stats wise, in almost every single category, you're top five or ten defensemen in almost every category every single year. Uh, I don't really pay attention to it that much, but there's there's some things that uh, I'll talk with Eustace about, and um, there's definitely some stats that can be skewed in ways, I think, but um, I think just as a, a player, you could have some games, you could have great stats, but not feel great about your game in itself, so um, it's definitely tough to take to heart all the time, but um, there are some that that we do pay attention to that's for sure and Eustace by the way is Eustace King uh, Jared's agent um, Eustace is one of the one of the great agents in the NHL and one of my favorite people in the NHL how, how did you how did you uh, you get with him uh, so this this goes back to Tyler as well um, he he had hired Eustace when he was in Medicine Hat and um, I was sort of fell into just using my brother's agent in the WHL so um, my brother turned pro and he wasn't happy with his representation. And, um, when he, I had never signed with his agent, but he just sort of, it was agreed upon that if he worked with my brother, he would, he would help me out as well. So, um, when he left, we were sort of out in limbo and, um, Tyler and Bruce told Eustace, uh, that I, um, was looking for an agent. So, um, we had a game in Portland, um, like two nights later and he flew up right away to watch me play and uh just from talking to him and like you said he's just a great person um he cares a lot about you and um i see him as a, a really good friend of myself and i think that's what separates him from a lot of agencies um that he's a friend and he cares about you as a human too you're not just a, a piece of meat for a business and um, when he comes o- or comes to town, he comes over for dinner. He cares about the kids. He cares about Danielle and the family. And um, yeah, he's just a great human. So um, I have to thank Tyler and Bruce's dad for introducing us. That's awesome. And and Eustace has had a lot of uh, clients on the Wild over the years. Guys like Jason Zucker, uh, obviously Tyler Ennis, Chris Stewart, uh, people like that. Um, Luke Calland uh, asks, uh, "This is a good one. How tall are you really?" I'm like five eight, I think <laughs> five eight. So on a good day, maybe five eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Uh, generously listed five nine. Um, 
It's funny, Torchetti is like, yeah, you got to ask him, has he gotten any taller? So, <laughs> Yeah, depends on the shoes I'm wearing. <laughs> um, Eric Hansen has, uh, Hansen has uh, what does Bill uh, Guerin's pedigree as a player bring to his role as GM from Jared's perspective, and how has that uh, helped their relationship? Uh, yeah, it's well, when you have a guy that has one as a player, he's one in management as well, and he's not too far removed from the game that um, he, he knows what the rigors of the seasons are like. So um, he's definitely supportive to talk to after games, and he gets it too that some nights you're not going to have your best game, but at the same time, you better be working. So um, it's definitely nice to have a guy like that. You can bounce things off and you can talk talk with him about that that stuff, but He's definitely an intimidating guy just with from watching him play and then the persona that he has as well. So um, it's been a, a treat to work with this first year. And um, unfortunately, right now, uh, we can't do much work together. But um, yeah. he's, he's definitely a great leader to have. Uh, Paul Grautner, I know what, this, what mine is. Uh, what is your favorite goal that you've scored with the Wild? I know what I'd pick. Uh, yeah, uh, that game seven goal against Colorado is high up there, that's for sure. And but any any goal for myself is pretty special because they're pretty hard to get, that's for sure. <laughs> but it it is it is interesting, uh, Jared. I did that story on the uh, twenty uh, on the twenty fourteen game seven. It was an oral history. I talked to you for it, and your quotes were unbelievable. In it, and and I think it allowed all of us to kind of relive that game. But that goal. Uh, with two minutes left in, in a one-goal deficit where you have to delay after you get the puck, wait for Nathan McKinnon to slide out of the way, then pick your spot and tie the game up. That had to be as high as you've ever been on an yeah. ice, ice sheet. <laughs> yeah, that was that was awesome. And I think um, as a team that year, no one gave us really a chance to come into Colorado and, and beat them. So uh, that was that was a lot of fun and a great taste of playoff hockey and can't wait to get back to, to that way of in the playoffs of winning a series and then uh, keep on continuing on from there. No doubt. You um you know that game also you had a great anecdote in that story about how you're you're celebrating in the pile afterwards and then all of a sudden you look right and you see John Curry. And it was <laughs> yeah. like the first time that it like dawned on you like, oh what would we have done if Rizgalov got hurt and there was John Curry. Yeah. Uh it's still one of the best memories. Uh, just a smile on his face too, and how just talking to him after how he said as soon as Kemp's was out down the locker room, he he had his gear on in about two seconds. He said so. Uh, he sort of stayed out of the way. I didn't even in between the third and overtime didn't even notice it. But uh, I think he was sort of just doing his own thing, um, staying out of the way with the game, and then to have him in that pile was it was awesome. That's awesome. And uh, Minnesotan-born John Curry as well. Um, Jared, just you, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, how much you want to get back to, on the ice. How, how cool was the experience of getting that hat trick in your hometown at Edmonton right at the end of this, you know, what we hope isn't the end of the season, but right at the end of the, right before the pause, uh, your, your whole family's in town. It's the father-son trip. Um, and, and there you are in your, your home building against a team that you watched a gazillion times as a kid getting a hat trick. Yeah, uh, definitely didn't see that coming. Um, like I said, it's hard enough to get a goal and to be fortunate enough to get three in one game is will be a memory I, I have forever. And being in front of my home, my hometown, my family, and 
um, not the building, but the team I watched growing up with my grandpa and grandpa had season tickets that I'm sure he was watching over me that night and with a big smile on his face. So um, if, if it was going to happen, um, being at home, that was one of the best places it could, could have happened. Amazing. Uh, and it might have been the prettiest empty net goal in the history of hockey. I mean, just the way you come out of the penalty box and lift a stick to steal the puck and then go <laughs> on a breakaway uh, for the hat trick in your hometown. I mean, it was it was really spectacular to watch. Um, so uh, it was it was one of the cooler stories also to write this season as well. Um, uh, Fetty Dean asks, uh, loved your Instagram picture of your tennis net. Um, are you good at tennis? Uh, where do you play and uh, who would be the best tennis player on the wild? Uh, I not haven't played in a long time. So, um, Danielle, we used to play and then she would get mad at me cause I was a stickler for all the rules. If it was just <laughs> a, a little bit out, I would grab it, but she's got into tennis the last year. So, um, it's been a lot of fun. We, whenever we were, were able to get a sitter or free time, we'll get out to court and, um, just even if we're just rallying it back and forth, it's just a lot of fun to get away and play something different and um, definitely helps the feet a bit too with moving around. So um, for best player, uh, I'm not sure. I know that Zach, Zach plays a lot. I know that Suits used to play a lot. I'm not sure if he does now, and I'm pretty sure Miko is pretty good as well. So um, I don't think I'm up to their, their standards <laughs> yet, but... I definitely enjoy the game. Back in the day, it was uh, it was always Pierre, Mark Bouchard, and Stefan Veilleux. Uh They were unbelievable tennis and ping pong players as well. Um, but by the way, what do you do uh, pregame warm ups? Because you don't usually play in the soccer hacky sack games, do you? <laughs> no, I I stay pretty simple. Um, before, just do my my sticks before meetings, and then um, we used to go. I used to go sit in the the trainer's room and just sort of hang out there and um for a couple of years it was me thomas vanek and keith ballard so i would literally just sit there and listen to their stories so uh <laughs> that was pretty fun and still to this day i do the same thing i'll go in there and talk with john Worley and phil and just hang out until meetings and then after that i get it more into my routine of stretching and uh a warm-up before before we get out on the ice um, did you watch The Last Dance, by the way? Uh, no, I have not. I was waiting for it to all be all be finished, and then hopefully binge watch it. Binge watch it when we have a lot of time on our hands. Maybe sitting in a hotel playing some games. Yeah, the uh, it's an interesting. It's obviously it's a fascinating, outstanding documentary. But I, one of the most interesting parts of the of documentary, maybe just from being a beat writer, was watching MJ before games. He just sat in a trainer's room and just shoot shot the breeze with trainers, security people. It felt like for hours, and um, that's the way it used to be in the NHL as well, where guys would just sit with the trainers. So it's pretty cool that uh, that you'd still do that to this day. Yeah, uh, I think that started off when. My first year, I didn't really know what to do. You have a bit more time than in, in junior. Sometimes you get to the rink an hour before, depending on traffic and your, your bus <laughs> bus hours. So um, in junior, in a rush. So I found myself having a lot more time. And um, it's, it's always fun to talk to those guys. They have some good stories, especially Worlds, who's uh, <laughs> been in the league for a long time. So he, yep. he's got some funny ones. 
Yep, and Worlds is John Worley, their uh, their head medical trainer, um, athletic therapist. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, Jared. You've been gen- very generous with time. We're talking with Jared Spurgeon. He's played the third most games in wild history behind Miko Koivu and Nick Schultz. Um, Jeremy asks uh, if you could confirm whether or not teammates call you the Spurgeon General. Uh, no one calls me that. <laughs> so, uh, fans. Yeah, I heard, I think Kevin Weeks once called me that, but... Uh, no, not not many people call me the Spurge General. That's funny. Uh, Adam asks, uh, best and worst nicknames on the team? Um, worst? Uh, I don't know if there's like a really bad one. It's just the pretty generic last name and you add a like Stalzy type thing or suits. There's nothing crazy about them, but... Um, Zach, Zach has a lot that can't really say <laughs> say on there, and um, Ecker has a lot as well. So there's there's a couple guys that have more than just the media nickname that you can't really uh, get into. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Um, who was it? Was it Zach or was it Granny that was called Brinks? Uh, Zach. So okay, yeah, the Brinksy cat. So he he had I think Granny was talking he just didn't understand what it was so he just kept calling him it and then it just stuck yeah yeah that's exactly it. like whatever zach like the guys used to call him granny misunderstood and next thing you know zach became brinks or something like that <laughs> yeah. uh, it's pretty funny um let's see uh how about this for a twitter name you'll like this uh please just sign kaprasov already this is the name <laughs> of the twitter uh twitter name um, i have a couple who's the funniest player on the team and what's your favorite memory in your whole career from mites to the nhl uh funniest guy would i don't think you can really fight it with al he's yeah. he can talk a mile a minute and he's just a funny guy and i th- think that's why him and tyler ennis got along so well that they're they're both pretty witty and um, they can turn it on you in a dime, on a dime. So, uh, I'd say Al and then favorite memory. Um, first NHL game is right up there, but for a team standpoint, it would be, uh, Memorial cup, um, in Spokane, um, winning that championship when we were a team three years before that, I think we won 12 games. So, um, we went from winning 12 games to winning everything and, three years so that was pretty special um memory and uh to share it also with my brother who won it i think three years earlier um with the Kona rockets he was actually flew down for the final game so he was there and we were able to go out after and celebrate together and look and find his name on the on the trophy and know that mine was going to be added a couple years down the road from him what a storied franchise that Spokane team is. Uh, you know, uh, we had Val Burry on a, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He's the all-time leading scorer for that franchise, and uh, and I didn't realize that it's owned by George Brett's brother. Yeah, so Bobby Bobby's uh, a great owner, and he cares about us a lot. So I actually still talk to him a couple times uh, a year, and he he keeps tabs on us, and he was great great to myself and everyone there, and. Um, they have a fantastic arena that's like an NHL style. It's, I think it holds about 10,000. So when we were playing Tri-Cities, who was our biggest rival, um, on that one year when we went to win the Memorial Cup, we played them in the Western Conference Finals. So 
um, that was pretty special. And um, I remember at the Mem Cup when we we won, George was actually there, and he came onto the bus, and that's the first time I had ever seen him or met him, and he was celebrating like he was there the entire time. So um, Bobby is great to us, and they treat us very well. So that's if I was to send my kid away for to play hockey, um, there'd be no question that Spokane would be top on the list. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember those teams back in the day that had Ray Whitney and Pat Falloon on the same line. They would get each like 60 goals a year. Obviously, that <laughs> yeah. franchise had Tyler Johnson and Travis Green and Val Burray. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, just a couple more for you, uh, uh, Jared. I appreciate you taking the time here to join straight from the source. Um, the dog father, father asks, uh, who are your favorite NHL players from past, present, and future? Um, growing up, it was always Doug Waite, uh, playing for the Oilers. Um, when I was a kid, I would always go, like I said, with my grandpa and I'd get to go to maybe four games a year. And he was the one player I, I always enjoyed watching. Uh, he had great, great skill set and he, um, he would still go and throw some big hits every once in a while too. So, um, <laughs> grow, growing up, he was always a favorite of mine. And then, um, when I got a bit older, I started uh, veering towards more my position players. So um, Dan Boyle and Brian Rafalski, I'd like to watch just because um, similar statures and the way they right played. Shots. Right shots. So you always try and look at people you think you could play like and um, take stuff from their game. And um, right now, I think the game's so good that there's so many players that are enjoyable to watch from uh, Patrick Kane, McKinnon, Crosby, McDavid, um, Barzell, and there's so many to name that the game is just so much different even from when I, I started playing when there was a lot more bigger guys that it's so much more skilled and just fast that it's a lot of fun to be a part of. Dan Boyle covered in Florida before he was a superstar. You, so you had to love Doug Waite to Bill Guerin. I mean, that happened a lot when you were an Oiler fan. <laughs> yeah, he played there for a while and um, we, the first time I met him, we, we talked about some of those, the playoff series, I think every year they would either play Dallas or Colorado in the first round of playoffs. And the Oilers were always the eighth seed or seventh seed coming in and, um, just going through all those stories that he had. And just, uh, like you said, growing up, watching him to be talking to him and him being your boss is a pretty surreal moment. That's awesome. Just two more uh, for you uh, from Kaylee Essa, and I think you addressed this a little bit. This comes. This one comes from her dad. Um, some people just lead. Some lead when asked, or some would rather just play. Which are you? Yeah, I think you just for myself. Like I said, I just lead. Hopefully, lead by example. Um, I don't talk too much, and um, like I said, if I'm gonna say something, it's something I believe in. So um, I'm not gonna always be the most vocal guy in a room if if I don't have something to say that or if I'm going to say something that I, I don't necessarily believe in and um, I think that if growing up I would always follow my brother and he was similar to that and even captains I had in junior that um, they, would, they would talk and be vocal in the room and but at the same time they were backing it up when they're out side so on the ice so um yeah I would, I would say just try and lead the best you can with being being your person 
Uh, final Twitter question uh, from John Do- Dobius, who obviously paid attention when you signed. He said, did you ever buy those New Balance shoes? <laughs> I got a couple pairs, so a couple <laughs> tennis, tennis shoes and all that. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I don't have too many things that I love to spend money on other than the family. So um, we have a cabin up for the summer that we have Sea-Doo and a couple things like that. But I would rather go on a nice vacation with them or just hang out at home than spend my money on something crazy. <laughs> and uh, the joke from John there was that uh, when Jared signed his uh, new deal at uh, the day of training camp, he said that uh, the big thing he was going to buy with his money was a pair of New Balance shoes. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Hey, Jared, do you think that you guys are going to play again? Uh, I'm hoping so. So the last week there seems to be a bit more dialogue going on and um, – we haven't quite heard from that HLPA. We haven't had a, a call in about a week and a half, two weeks. So um, we're in the same boat as a lot of people that um, we're just sort of waiting to see. And it would be great to be able to somehow get back on the ice or into a gym that isn't your garage or basement. So we, we more than anything, want to get back out on that ice and play. But at the same time, you you know all the obstacles that have to be overcome and just for everyone to be safe and all that, that you want to make sure that everyone's thinking it through and everyone is going to be safe. So uh, we're, we're hoping for it, even if that means playing through the summer. Well, I'm hoping uh, to, to, um, (laughs) it's getting a tiring rate in top 10 lists every week and 15 Kaprasov stories a day. And uh, it'd be nice to actually get back into a rink and, and watch some hockey. Yeah, no, I told Danielle on Sunday when it was raining that day that that was almost my breaking point. So, yeah, uh, I, I just need need to get back to feeling like I'm doing something. And, uh, you do workouts and everything like that, but it's um, when you have no date or timeline, um, it's it's always tough. And especially when you can't do what you're so used to doing every single day couldn't agree more well hey jared uh thank you so much for uh joining the show it was absolutely a fun time and i am looking forward to seeing you back in the rink and uh and watching you uh light it up again for the minnesota wild thanks for having me and bring me back anytime yep yep thanks that is uh jared spurgeon and uh check out our comment section for each podcast episode on the street on the athletic app just go to uh the nhl section and straight from the source and you can comment there on each podcast and if you're listening on Apple, don't forget to rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me.